Okay, let's just pray that God um, speaks to us and just pause as we are. Father God, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for Christmas that we could celebrate the amazing, great love that you have for us, Lord. We deserve a nod, but you've been so good and you are such a good Father. Please speak to us, Lord, and remind us of things that our minds so easily forget. Please speak to us, Father, we pray, and we pray for those in all parts of the world that are gathering, Lord, that you may also become real to people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I titled this service, Christmas Important If True. So it's important if it's true to people, if it's true to yourself. So otherwise it won't be very important, is it? It's just another day. Um, I, I, I jotted a few reasons why I believe that God would visit us. Why would God come to visit us? And God made us for greatness and we made a total mess of things. He, his plan wasn't what we finally, what's developed. We blew our one shot of immortality and then the graves again filled up. And God was not finished yet with us. I have um, in Psalm chapter 8, there's a... This verse 4 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? I don't think that you're going to learn anything new today. And you probably shouldn't learn anything new today if you're a Christian because it should just um, encourage you and strengthen you on the things that we'll be sharing this morning. So this verse is kind of saying, why bother with people like us? The psalmist wrote, David wrote, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? What is it about God that he cares for us? What is it about God that not only cares for us, we're his children, so he's accepted us, so you'd understand why he would love his children, just like a dad loves his children, just like a mum, like parents love their children. What are we about those that are rejecting him and are constantly rejecting him and they blame God for everything? And there's so many people out there, Oscar touched a bit on it, that believe in a God, but they don't want to have nothing to do with him. But yet they're very quick to blame that God. You know, when you share God with people, they say, well, you know, if your God exists, if your God exists, why is it suffering? Why is it this? Why is... And they just go on and on and on. And yet, why does God still care for them? Why does he call them home? Why is he drawing them to himself? And Jesus, when he was on earth, we'll be talking a little bit, we'll be talking a lot about Jesus, but when Jesus was on earth, he gave us the illustration of the prodigal son. And isn't that just a beautiful story about the love of the father towards his son? The love of a father towards a son that was rebellious. It wasn't the love of the son that was Faithful to his dad that stayed, yes, to him as well. But amazingly, the love towards a brother that just... And Jesus demonstrated to the extreme. He squatted everything. He wasted everything. And yet, when he came home, his dad was 
forgot about everything, embraced him. And that's the God that we have. That's the Father that we have. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Why bother with us? We ruined it at Eden. And then he gave us another chance and we ruined it again. And he sent the flood to wipe humankind out, except one family. Why not just hit the delete button on the human race? Why doesn't God just hit the delete button on the human race? He wouldn't have to answer to people then. Why not just admit that it was an experiment that didn't work out? That humans, that we let God down, that we turned our back to God. No one could then blame God if he decided to get rid of us all and start all over again. David's question comes to the very heart of Christmas. What is man that God should pay attention to us? What is man that God should care about us after we failed so miserably? Why should God care about us at all? The New King James Version said, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Why would God care enough to visit us? Why would God care enough to come in the form of a baby to care about us and to experience the difficulty and the life that he had while he was on earth, experience every part of our fallen humanity? And then when the writer of Hebrew was trying to impress us readers of the greatness of our salvation... In verse 6 he says, But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But... We do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Now there's three... I just want to focus. We could talk a lot about these passages, but there's three um, statements that I'd like to make and that I'd like to touch on a little bit so we don't go on for too long. And the first one is Jesus had to become like us in his nature. He had, to be, he had to become a human just like us. That's the incarnation. That's Bethlehem. That's Christmas. He came into this world as a tiny baby. And like I said last, the other day, a stable wasn't a pleasant place. And no one knew him. No one knew that he was coming. Well, they should have known that he was coming. No one cared that he had arrived. And then his disciples fell in love with him, fell in love with the type of person that he was and what an amazing person he was and the love that he had and the compassion that he had for people. You see, the Israelites, they knew of a God that would punish them and that would come hard on them every time that they mucked up, which was very often. They would muck up time and time again. They'd allow other gods to come into their, into their homes 
<clears throat> I was talking to my sister Carolyn yesterday and they just come back from Bali and she said that they asked one of the taxi drivers that where he, he where would you like to go? He they said he said and they said, Well, we'd just like to go and see a house, what a house looks like as well. It's not just all the tourist places. So there was a lady in a I think she was selling something on the side of the road or somewhere and they just went up to her or the taxi driver said, do you mind if we come into your house and just have a look? The tourists want to see what your house looks like. And she said that the house was just so poor, had nothing in it, but in the middle of the room had this massive shrine to their God. You know, they had room for their God and that to God is, you know, it's against everything that God came here for. He came here to show us the way to the Father and not to accept other gods. Now, I, I love that the disciples loved the character of Jesus and he wasn't what they thought that he would be. And so Jesus demonstrated what the Father was like. So there's three things I'd like to talk about on top of those three other statements, but three points that I'd like to mention that Jesus, what Jesus accomplished when he came here. And there's many things that we could say. He was a high priest and there was a lot of things, prophecy fulfilling, but I'd like to concentrate on three. And first one is that he revealed the Father. Who remembers who was it that said, one of the disciples said, if you show us the Father, that'll be enough. Who was it? Thomas. I knew everyone would say Thomas because I was just going to say Thomas. Anyone think someone else? <laughs> Sorry? Yes, it was Philip. <clears throat> you're, you're right. Um, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. And so Jesus came in a way and he showed his disciples to what the Father was like and they, they loved that. And, that, and so they said, well, just show us what the Father is. And it was Philip, you're right. He says, Jesus answered, I'll put a few verses in front. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So you know the Father. You know it's, it's no longer that Father that you have to fear. It's a loving Father, caring Father. He's compassionate just like I'm compassionate. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. That's all. That's all. If you just show us the Father, that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been amongst you such a long time, anyone who has seen the Father has also seen me. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus... <clears throat> showed us what the Father was like, a different image of the Father to what people presumed that the Father was like. A personal Father, one that wanted to have intimacy, that wanted to have a relationship with him. And so that's something that's really changed when Jesus came here to spend his life on earth and he became that gift from God. Statement number two, Jesus tasted death because that is our common destiny. Life is short and is appointed, the Bible says, unto man once to die. 
Jesus could have not truly visited us if he did not experience what death was like, could he? He would have avoided one of our greatest enemies if he avoided death altogether. But we know what happened. He tasted death and he conquered death. Jesus suffered and died because that was the only way that he could save us. Only by dying could he give us life. Point number two that I'd like to share that he had accomplished when he came to destroy the work of Satan. So he came to destroy the work of Satan in, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He came for other reasons, but that is a pretty big statement that he came to destroy the works of the devil. See, Satan always thinks he's got an upper hand. He thinks he's got an upper hand on your life when we doubt and on my life. And when you are tempted. So Satan tempted Eve to sin and she fell. And God predicted that the seed of the woman, Christ, would crush Satan's head. How could he crush Satan's head other than defeating him? He defeated death, but he also defeated sin. Defeated Satan. And when he said it is finished, everything was complete when he said it is finished on the cross. It is all done. It was the end of several things. He had victory over sin and over Satan. Everything has been completed. Statement number three, Jesus came to restore all that we had lost in Eden. See, God's had this plan for us in Eden. And that's why God didn't want to press the delete button because he saw it working. He saw what he intended and he lasted, probably didn't last very long. We don't know how long they lasted Eden. We don't know how long they were there. He says that God walked amongst them. How long did he walk amongst them? Jesus came to reverse that key, that curse that we brought upon ourselves. And now he's crowned with glory and honour. One day all those who believe will share that glory with him. In my father's house there are many rooms I read on Sunday. And he wants to share those rooms with us. That day has not yet come. In Hebrews chapter 2, the verse that we read, at present we do not see everything subject to him yet. Better days are coming. And there are better days coming. There's difficult days coming and there's better days coming. And God's got it all in control. And Jesus... Third thing that he came, and this is another beautiful thing. So first he came to show us the Father. Second, he came to destroy the enemy. And third, he came, promised us the Holy Spirit. And he asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit to live inside us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to give us hope. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth 
The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. K.G. Chesterton, I like this quote, he says, whatever else is or is not true, this one thing is certain, man is not what he was meant to be. Man is not what he was meant to be. Faded glory. It's precisely at this point that Christmas speaks so clearly to us. We were made for glory, but our glory faded a long time ago. We were made for glory. We're made to be in the presence of God. First we disobeyed, then we died on the inside, then we started dying on the outside. Then we turned our backs onto God and we said, God, we don't need you at all. Leave us alone. We like to do this on our own. And as we grow as children, that we like to have independence and we like to make our own decisions, not to have others or anything else tell us what to do. And we don't want God to tell us what to do. And God said, I will not leave you. So man says, leave me, away from me. And God said, I will not leave you. And that's why the beautiful image of the prodigal son. He's saying, leave me, I'm going, I don't need you. And God is saying, I will not leave you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. For as long as you have breath, I will not let you destroy yourself or each other and the world I have made because I love you too much to leave you alone. So he sent prophets, we killed them. He wrote letters, we ignored him. He told us how to live and we said, who are you to tell us what to do? We made a mess of things and God had every reason to kill us but he didn't. He said, I love you too much to let you go. And then he said, I'm coming down. I'm coming down to show you how much I love you. And he sent his son. And we know, those of us that have accepted Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we know how much he loved us. We didn't pay any attention and it didn't make sense. How could God visit us? How could he come? And there's still people that doubt until he becomes a real in their hearts. They doubt his existence. They doubt that he came. How could he come? How could he be born of a virgin? It doesn't make sense. Prove it scientifically. It cannot happen. And still God loves us and came from heaven to earth on the greatest rescue mission in history to rescue you and me. He came because we blew us so badly. He came and we killed him. And he died and became our saviour. No one but God could have done anything like that. What a story, what a Christ. C.S. Lewis says, The Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. God has done it all. That's the good news of Christmas. It's all done. It's all completed. The only thing that is left for you and for me is to believe. That's all we need to do. Believe and accept. Accept that gift. I got gifts yesterday and 
I think gifts are great. God gave us a beautiful gift. And I got a little gift and it was in a form of a key ring. And he says, as for me, my house will serve the Lord. And I got some chocolates. But we all got a gift. If you haven't received a gift, you got a greatest gift. A gift from God. God sent you a gift in the form of his son. Do you believe it? Will you receive it? Or will you leave that gift at the door, under the tree, or wherever? I'll close with these three words, important if it's true. You see what I'm trying to say? That it's important. Christmas is very important. The message is very important. Even though you haven't learnt anything new, probably, you come here year after year, but Christmas is very important. And it's not something that it just builds up and we're all so busy and stressful, but Christmas is important because of the message, because what happened? We celebrate that Jesus came, that God came and visited us. And we probably, most probably don't have the right date, but it doesn't matter. We celebrate it to mark a time in, in our calendar when we sit back and we appreciate all that God has done. Christmas matters because truth matters. And the heart of the truth is that God did not leave us alone, but in our misery he came to visit us on one dark night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Christmas is all about who we are and who God is and how far will God go for us. How far will God go for you and for me? Important if true, at Christmas we learn how much God loves us and there's nothing, nothing more important than that. We'll learn about how much God loves us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for when we turn our back on you, you don't walk away from us and you say, I don't want to have nothing to do with you but you keep sending messengers after messengers. You keep on sending messages to us in small notes saying that you still care for us, that you still love us, calling us to come home. And thank you, Father, that you're not sending Jesus to come back in glory because you still want others to accept that precious gift that you gave. Lord, I pray that every person that's in this room today may be able to experience that glory, that we may all be able to share that home one day in glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you are real to millions and millions of people in the world and that it's not a coincidence, that it's not a story, it's not something that we just imagine, but it's you are real in our hearts and we thank you for that. We thank you that you've changed us and that we can never be changed back again. We thank you for that for the amazing love that you had for us and that you continue to have for us. And we pray that this love may continue to bind us together. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.